The nursery rhyme says, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. Mary had a little lamb, its fleece was white as snow. I want to preach a message today about Mary's little lamb. You know, we read about this little lamb and that was born in Bethlehem many years ago. And it's all found for us in the Word of God. I'm turning to the Gospel of Luke today. There in Luke chapter 2, verses 7 through 11, we read about this blessed Christmas story. Follow with me and join during this time as we think about the birthday of our Savior, beginning with verse 7 of chapter 2. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Reading from Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. Well, it was not incidental nor accidental that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is a little village about five miles south of Jerusalem, and most of us perhaps would have never heard about that little dot on the map if it were not for the fact that this was the birthplace of Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. This place had been prophesied for centuries to be the birthplace of Jesus. We read about that in the Old Testament prophetic book, Micah. In Micah 5, verse 2, we read, But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth, shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. How fitting that Mary's little lamb would be born at Bethlehem. And did you know that for centuries, the Jewish priest had been raising Passover lambs in Bethlehem? Those shepherd fields there in Bethlehem were fields where a very special breed of sacrificial lambs were being raised and nurtured so as to be brought to Jerusalem at Passover to be slaughtered. It was there where God's perfect lamb, the Lord Jesus, was born. And as we know it, it was in a stable that he was born. How fitting for a sacrificial lamb to be born in a stable. Mary had a little lamb, and our destiny is wrapped up in this little lamb, the Messiah. I want to offer you four things today about this little lamb, and hopefully these things will help us to appreciate even in a greater way what that Christmas story is all about. Notice with me, if you would, number one today, the Lamb in Prophecy. Turn, if you would, please, to the Old Testament book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12. Let me first give you the setting while you're finding your place in the text before us today. You see, the Jews had found themselves in bondage and in slavery. They were down in Egypt, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is a cruel taskmaster. 
and they were there in the tormenting chains of bondage. They needed to be redeemed, and they needed to be set free. Well, God has a plan to redeem his people and set them free. And that plan is all wrapped up in a little lamb. That's right, this little lamb that we're preaching about today. We're talking about that lamb. We're talking about the lamb in prophecy. And here's how the text reads in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 and following. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Verse 4, And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you count your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, it says, a, a, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Then verse 6, And ye shall keep it up unto the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. There are some very, there are some very gruesome details there, but very important details to God because God is preparing to redeem his people. Now think about it. They are slaves and God is going to deliver them. What is he going to use to deliver them? He is going to use a lamb. Of all the creatures, the most gentle and meek and defenseless is a lamb. A lamb has no fangs, no claws, and it can't run and fight for itself. It, 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 it's very frightening in and of itself with anything that would come its way. You see, a lamb almost seems to say to me, are, are you hungry? Well, then eat me. Are you cold? Shear me. A lamb seems to present itself to the slaughter. Now, God is going to use a lamb to deliver them from Egypt. Do you know what the symbol of Egypt was? It was a serpent. I saw a display on Egypt years ago, and I saw the crowns that the pharaohs would wear. As you see the pharaoh's crown, you see that serpent that was coiled upon that crown. As you see the pharaoh's scepter, you see that serpent coiled upon the scepter. Here, you're going to have a battle between that lamb and a serpent. A seemingly defenseless, gentle, weak, meek, mild lamb and a venomous, hissing, poisonous serpent. I want you to notice this lamb, this, this lamb in prophecy. First of all, I want you to notice that he was a special lamb. Look at verse 5. It says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. You see, one blemish on that lamb would disqualify this lamb in prophecy. The priest would take those Passover lambs and they would examine each one very, very carefully, lamb by lamb by lamb. They would open the mouth and look inside the mouth. They would examine the eyelids and they would look down the ears. 
One blemish would disqualify this lamb because he was a lamb in prophecy and he spoke of Mary's little lamb. A lamb without spot or blemish according to the Bible. Not only was he a special lamb, but look again in verse 5 and you see that he was a, he was a slain lamb. Uh, not just verse 5, but on into verse 6. And ye shall keep, it says, and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Well, well, they took this lamb on the 10th day, and they kept it until the 14th day. And on the 14th day at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, the father of the family would lift back the chin of that little lamb and cut the throat. The blood of that little lamb would be caught in a basin. Another prophecy of Mary's lamb that would one day be butchered on the cruel Roman cross. And so this lamb, it was a special lamb. This lamb, it was a slain lamb, but please remember this lamb was a saving lamb. He was a saving lamb. Look at verses 7 and 12. Verse 7, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side post and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And then look down at verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Well, the lamb was a special lamb. The lamb was a slain lamb. The lamb was a saving lamb. God said, take the blood and put it on the doorpost. Put it on the lintel of the house so that when everyone who comes in the house will come in and under the blood, because that is the way they will be safe. Because God's death angel of judgment is coming. It's going to be a terrible thing. It is going to come through the land of Egypt. But God said to these people that he wanted to redeem, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. They could have put poetry on the door, but that would have done no good. Uh, they could have overlaid the door with jewels and gold, but that would have done no good. And they could have put a cute little lamb outside that door, but that would have done no good. Salvation does not come from the life of Christ. Rather, salvation comes from the death of Christ. Salvation is not learning lessons from the life of Christ, but rather it's receiving life from the death of Christ. When I see the blood, it says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now, this special lamb that was a slain lamb, which was a saving lamb, became a shared lamb. Look at verse 8 again. And they shall eat, it says, the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. That lamb was roasted. 
not only was it slain, but it was roasted. It speaks of Jesus who endured the fire of God's wrath for us. Can you imagine what it must have been like that night in Egypt? All of the Egyptians uh, smelling roasted lamb. A quarter of a million roasting lambs together. Now the people who had roasted the lamb were to eat the lamb. They would eat all of it. And as they were sharing a meal, a bunch of slaves were becoming a nation. And as they walked out of Egypt, a lamb walked out inside of them. Oh, please remember that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is Christ that gives you the strength that that lamb, that special lamb, that slain lamb, that saving lamb was a shared lamb. What a wonderful prophecy of Mary's lamb that you and I feed upon day by day. Well, we're considering four things about this little lamb. We've talked about, number one, the lamb in prophecy. Number two, now the lamb in history. Because, you see, Moses' lamb was only prophesied, only prophesied Mary's lamb. It, it was a picture of, uh, of a greater lamb that was to come. Mary had a little lamb. John the Baptist knew that the babe that was born in Bethlehem was Jesus. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now I want to say about Jesus, first of all, he was a special lamb. He was a lamb without spot, without blemish, the virgin-born son of God. He was a miracle lamb. He was the virgin-born son of God, this little lamb. The infinite became the infant. God laid in a manger. He was a special lamb without spot or blemish. He was a slain lamb. Remember what John the Baptist said in John 1.29. Behold, again, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Why was he born of a virgin? Well, so he could be sinless. Why was he sinless? So he could be made the blood, he could make blood atonement, a blood covering for us, the sinners. Remember, the Bible says that it is the blood that makes atonement for sin. It's the blood that covers the sin. It's the blood of Jesus that covers the sin. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Why couldn't God just overlook our sin say, and say it's okay and I, I forgive it and there not be any blood atonement? Why couldn't God do it that way? Well, God himself would be unjust if he did it that way. God would be unholy. There needed to be a sinless sacrifice. No child of Adam could satisfy because in Adam all die. The bloodline comes from the father. None of the baby's blood circulates through the mother's body. The mother may have one blood type and the child another blood type. The bloodline comes through the father and while Mary was the earthly mother, God the father was the heavenly father. The blood that flowed through Mary's lamb was the very blood of God. Write down and remember this reference, Acts 20, 28. Because in Acts 20, 28, Paul is talking to the pastors at the church of Ephesus. And he says in verse 28, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the flock of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. 
That last phrase in verse 28, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Whose blood was shed on the cross? God's blood. You say, well, God doesn't have blood. He he is a spirit. Well, God had blood when Jesus was here on earth. When Jesus was here on earth, God had blood. He had blood that flowed through the veins of the Son of God. That was rich, red, royal, the blood of Almighty God. He was a special lamb, and he was a slain lamb. But, and as we think about him being a slain lamb, I remember that I told you about the Passover lambs that were born in Bethlehem. Have you ever wondered why so much time was given to the last week in the life of Jesus when you read through the Gospels? about one-third of the Gospels are given over to that last week in the life of Jesus. Why so much space? Answer, because of those Passover lambs that were being raised by the priest in those fields of Bethlehem. Those shepherds were watching those Passover lambs when the angel appeared to them. And over here is born Mary's lamb. The angel says there is a Savior born... Well, there came that special day that we call Palm Sunday. And the Lord Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives. And he is ascending up to the Temple Mount. And at the same time, the Lord Jesus is going in through that eastern gate. Those Passover lambs are coming through that sheep gate. Up there on the Temple Mount. Those priests are examining those Passover lambs to make certain they are a perfect sacrifice. And at the same time, God's lamb is being examined by the Sadducees, the, the Pharisees, the Herodians, and the, uh, the scribes, the Roman officers. They were nitpicking and trying to find some fault in Jesus. But Pilate had to confess, I find no fault in him. And they had to confess No man ever spake like this man. Every charge laid against Jesus was a blasphemous lie. Jesus, he was a perfect lamb. Jesus went from that temple mount to the Last Supper and then out to dark Gethsemane. And by 9 a.m., he was on his way to the cross. Where was the cross? It was on Mount Moriah. What was Mount Moriah? That was where the temple was. It was also the place where God had told Abraham years ago that I will provide myself a sacrifice. Wow, it is now the very same place. But I also propose to you that we consider him, he was a saving lamb. That's right, not just a slain lamb, but he was a saving lamb. God's son would be lifted up on a cross at 3 p.m., And the priests were lifting up the chins of those little lambs and they were cutting, slicing their throats. At the same time, the Lamb of God is hanging on that cross and saying, it is finished. Guess what, Mr. Priest? You can go home now. We don't need your services anymore. Levites, we are finished with you. Shepherds, we don't need to raise any more lambs out in the fields of Bethlehem because Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. He was a special lamb, a slain lamb, a saving lamb. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 that Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. 
May I ask you a question? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Someone rewrote the nursery rhyme, Mary had a little lamb. Maybe it would do well for us to consider those words at this juncture. Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. Son of God from heaven above for sinners here below. Mary's son, eternal God, he the great I am. With wool so white on Christmas night, because it became a little lamb. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. That spotless lamb was crucified to pay the debt I owe. O spotless lamb with wool so white, thy crimson blood I know can take away my crimson sin and wash me white as snow. I thank God for Mary's little lamb that died upon the cross. But but not only was this lamb a, a special lamb, a slain lamb, a saving lamb, but Mary's lamb is to be a shared lamb. That's right. He was a shared lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I begin reading in verse 23. Paul records, For I have received of the Lord Jesus that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drank it, in remembrance of me. And when we share the Lamb, we don't come to mourn a corpse. We come to hail a conqueror. And there is something else I want you to see, not only the lamb in prophecy and not only the lamb in history, but I want you to also see the lamb in victory. Number three, the lamb in victory. I'm going all the way from the early part of the Old Testament to the latter part of the New Testament. And in Revelation chapter 5, in the first seven verses there, we see that the apostle John has been caught up into heaven. He has a glimpse into glory, and he sees the throne of God. Notice the words, beginning with verse 1. And I saw, it says, in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And John says in verse 4, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. He was no doubt looking for a, 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 a lion, and he sees this lamb, 
And it says, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And then verse 7, And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Now please watch carefully as we think about the Lamb in victory. The seven-sealed book that we just read about in Revelation chapter 5 is the title deed to earth, the heavens, and another world. It represents the right to rule. John the Apostle sees this book and he sees that there is no one who has the secret, no one who can break the seals, no one who can open the book, no angel in heaven, no leader on earth that can open this book. There is this search that is made for another in another world of hell, and well, there is no demon, no power of Satan that can open the book. And so John is about to weep because he says history is coming to an untimely end. But the angel speaks up and he says, John, don't weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. To you I even say today, don't weep. Put your eyes on Jesus Christ. And so John in the passage turns to see the lion and he sees the lamb. And I want you to see Mary's lamb that he saw he saw a small lamb. Look in verse 6 and note the word lamb. It's no ordinary word for lamb. It means little lamb, pet lamb, a baby lamb. Remember, they were to take a lamb, the firstlings of the flock, and they were to keep it for four days. It has the idea of a little household pet. It is the same word that Jesus used to John when he said, Feed my lambs. So here is a little lamb, and over here is Satan the serpent. Over here is the Antichrist, the, the beast. And again, over here is this little innocent pet lamb. But wait a moment. John also saw a slain lamb. Look at verse 6 where we read, And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. This lamb still bears the marks of the nails, and he will forever bear the marks of the nails. Even when I get home to heaven, I will see the nail prints in his hands. A small lamb, a slain lamb, but a standing lamb. It says, verse 6, the lamb stood, stood a lamb. Remember, he laid down in death in the grave, but the grave could not hold him. He is now standing, making intercession for us. It speaks of the resurrection of the Lamb. And then he says, uh, uh, a strong Lamb. He sees a strong Lamb. It says he has seven horns in verse 6. Horns in the Bible are emblematic of power. An animal would take his horns to ram and to butt and to bore and to fight another animal. Notice the contrast. He is a little Lamb. But don't miss the horns. Seven horns. Seven is the emblem of perfect power. He is a standing lamb, a strong lamb, a searching lamb. He, he is full of eyes. And I believe that speaks of intelligence. It speaks of omniscience. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He knows what you are thinking this very moment. He sees every move that you make. And he is the sovereign lamb. Look in verse 7. And he, the lamb came 
and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. That is, he and he alone, Mary's little lamb, is the secret of history and the mystery of history all at the same time. If you would ask him, what right do you have to take that book? He would say, I have the right of creation. I made it all. I have the right of Calvary. I died and shed my blood for it. I have the right of conquest. I was raised from the dead. I have the right to take this book and open it, for I am the great I am, and I am was born a lamb. Mary's little lamb was sovereign God. Now one last thing and we'll be finished. You have seen the lamb in prophecy, the lamb in history, the lamb in victory. But now for just a brief moment, I want you to see the lamb in majesty. Number four, the lamb in majesty. Revelation 5 verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, that's incense, which are the prayers of the saints, verse 9, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and blessing. Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. And I know that you would like to join me in saying, even as we just saw this great triumph, worthy is the lamb. Exclusively worthy, exceedingly worthy, and yes, eternally worthy. Let's thank God for this little lamb that was given so that you and I could have eternal life? Join me in prayer, would you? Father, thank you for this wonderful prophecy that was fulfilled, written hundreds of years ago, this prophecy of your Son, who would be the Lamb of God, who would come into this world to save us from our sins. We thank you, Lord, for what Christmas represents, this first coming of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that all who would look to this lamb can be saved. Thank you that you so love the world, again, that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We rejoice. We say thank you. We love you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.